you know your business best and you know what you need to invest in that is going to then have some sort of return on investment. I encourage everybody to get really real about the types of business investments that are going to have a significant return and what is more just veneer. Because even as business owners, we can get really distracted by the pretty things. I'm going to give you an example. For me, the most important thing is that I have students and I find the right students that trust me and want to learn from me. And so for me, I did not invest in a good website for like four years because the most important thing is the text on that website is the intelligence in what I'm saying and is finding the people that I want to be my customers and students. And that meant focusing on social media for me at least. And so that was not an investment that I made right away. And I did eventually. And instead I focused on the things that I knew that I needed. And so get really real, first of all, about what you really truly need to invest in to build your business and brand. But you kind of already alluded to this. What we probably don't want to do is have all of our money being recycled back into the business. And here's a way that I think it's helpful to think about. And this is something that I see pretty much all new self-employed people do, entrepreneurs do, is our business is our baby, right? And it can be really enticing to want to give all of our money back to our baby. Think of what's like the most What's the most powerful corporation in the world? Probably an Apple and Amazon. It's all just to say, would you invest all of your money in Apple? No. No, no, you wouldn't. That's too risky. Putting all your eggs in any basket, including your beautiful baby basket, is just too risky from a money management standpoint. And what I want is for you to use your income as a self-employed person to build wealth outside of your business. Yes, we want to reinvest in our own businesses, but we also want to diversify outside of our business. Mm -hmm. And so once we, once we make the decision to, you know, even if it's with small dollar amounts right away, how can we start to build wealth beyond our business? Because ideally, we will have our wealth come from both sources, the business that we run, and that's going to be then paying us our income. But then also we will be building up our, our wealth beyond our businesses. Mm-hmm. And so investing in yourself and in your financial life is really what we're going to be doing next. You're listening to the Build and Bloom podcast with host Jessica Whitaker, an educator of film and digital photography to beginners, both in workshops across the globe and online. Creator of the Build and Bloom group on Facebook, one of the largest and most engaged photography communities with over 60,000 members, and founder of non-profit Sister Sister, a monthly networking group for young women in media. Jessica Whitaker cuts the fluff and will help you to grow your photography business with practical, actionable tips in every episode. If you're ready for a roadmap to a better personal and professional balance, then Build and Bloom podcast will help encourage, empower, and educate you to not only build your dream business, but sustain it. And now here's your host, Jessica Whitaker. 
This podcast episode is brought to you by my Business Basics class. I teach you the eight essential steps to get your business legal and legit so you can watch it bloom. You'll learn the basics of what is an LLC and the first steps to opening one up, opening a business bank account, how to find an accountant, what is bookkeeping and how can you do it yourself to save some money, what contracts and legal documents to consider and where you can buy them, the starting point for saving for your retirement, how to find a financial advisor, and where to start looking for business insurance. When you avoid getting all these ducks in a row, you are risking getting sued, paying more in taxes, and missing out on turning your income into more money. Head to jessicawhitaker.co slash businessbasics to enroll. Thanks again to myself for sponsoring my podcast episode. Hey photographer, Jessica Whitaker here, and welcome back to the Build and Bloom Photography Podcast. Today we sit down with Amanda Holden, who is an award-winning money writer, speaker, and educator. Amanda's work has been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, The Financial Diet, and so much more. And through her business called Invested Development, Amanda has taught tens of thousands of women how to invest. If you couldn't guess by now, today's topic is all about money. So you've made the money, which congratulations that's the hardest part. It's time to now figure out what to do with it. Luckily, there are simple ways to organize your money and more importantly, ensure that it's working for you. Photographer, you work hard and so should your money. Amanda will cover saving, paying off debt, and investing in which you should prioritize right now, no matter where you're at in your career journey. Amanda was so generous to do an incredible live stream with me in the Build and Bloom Facebook group, and this will actually be a replay from that live. Like always, the guest information will be linked in the show notes, but if you actually want to pull her up on Instagram right now, her username is dumpster.doggy, so dumpster period doggy. On her social media, she shares free tips and education but then also she offers an education platform called Invested Development. So everything will be linked in the show notes below. Let's get into the replay. Remember that we have a Facebook group. This is from the Facebook group live stream. It's kind, it's inclusive, it's encouraging, it's free to join on Facebook. Just search up Build and Bloom. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. It is so fun to just be a small part of your incredible world. So thank you for having me. So I'm Amanda. I actually met Jessica in New York City when she used to live in New York City. And I am really primarily and investing educators. So a little bit about my background. So I used to work in investment management. So after graduating from school, I started working in investment management. And there, my primary role was to work with our high net worth clients. And I was basically the face person. So I was answering questions about the markets, um, keeping them apprised of portfolio strategy. Basically, I was doing a lot of handholding with old rich guys all day. And so it was a really great job in that I learned so much, but I also kind of hated it. Like helping rich men get richer wasn't really going to be it for me. And so I ended up quitting, saving all my money, quitting and starting over. And I thought I was going to leave finance altogether, but I just kept having this feeling that maybe my work here wasn't done. I had learned these invaluable skills and I wanted to take that information and get it to the people that I actually care about, which is all of you. And so my business is called Invested Development. Again, it's mostly workshops, courses, focusing on investing. 
but we talk about everything, everything money management. And then on social media, I'm at dumpster.doggy. So find me on Instagram. That's where I do the majority of my free investing education, but I'm also on YouTube and TikTok as well. And all of um, Amanda's links are in the description. So of here, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching the Facebook group, so Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and then her, her like website that has all of her workshops and courses and these workshops are it, it's approached from a very um simple way where it's uh, taking these otherwise complicated topics that really aren't that complicated but they've always been taught as very complicated and teaching it in a really simple way that's easy for us to digest and understand so that we can be empowered with the money that we are making in our business so it can go out into the world in a way that will really benefit us long term and also the way that you teach is so funny you post the best memes like oh my goodness so you guys definitely um while you're watching the stream pop on over to the description box and grab um her links at least follow on instagram if anything because that is the one where you are going to get like all of the content at once, um, but YouTube subscribe there. So um, what are we going to get into today? Hmm. <laughs> so I'm so excited to talk about money management with you, Amanda. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, maybe it would be helpful if we start here and just like talking about how do we feel about money? <laughs> because if you have complicated feelings or emotions about money, I always just upfront like to honor those feelings. If you have these feelings, you are not alone. And what I don't want you to do is beat yourself up as you embark on this journey to get good at money or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Money is, it, it, you know, especially if you're in the United States, but really anywhere money is what it's, it's in a sense, it's, it's our lifeblood. It's how we put food on the table. It's how we feel secure. In many ways, it's tied to our feelings about our own worth. And so it can be really complicated to confront those feelings. But I do think that it's really important to do that and to listen to yourself and honor those feelings as we're doing the more logistical stuff, right? Because sometimes our complicated feelings about money can be the initial roadblock that stop us from doing the, the, the more logistical work. And so that's always a nice starting place is just saying, huh, maybe I do kind of have complicated feelings about money, whether it's feeling like, you know, I have a scarcity mindset. I grew up in poverty. Um, I'm embarrassed by my money. There's all these feelings are valid. And I just want to say upfront that if you feel these feelings, you're just not alone. Mm -hmm. It's all about like the mindset at the very beginning of it. Yeah. And, you know, if you do have these feelings, you should not ever feel embarrassed to want to seek help or to seek support in parsing through these feelings. And, you know, we're, we're here for a talk on money management, but my first piece of advice is, you know, finding some money in your budget for therapy is always, always a good decision, right? Whether, you know, that's traditional therapy or, you know, finding some sort of support system that is going to help you work through complicated um, feelings that is valid. And you should not feel bad about wanting to prioritize your mental health, especially when it comes to sorting through these confusing feelings. 
I kind of work on the other side where I work on the educational side. And I actually do feel that being empowered with education actually does help. Yeah. Learning about investing, learning about money can be really overwhelming. But once you realize that it's nowhere near as complicated as the financial services industry wants you to believe that it is, that is also very empowering and can help dissipate some of these complicated feelings. And so, sorry, that was probably a little bit too woo-woo for what we were supposed to be talking about today, but I oh, always like to start, to start there. Yeah. And so what do you think? Do you think Next, the most helpful thing to do is talk about like, what would be like a standard order of operations for what you should work on first, second, third, and so on? Yeah, probably. So once somebody makes their first big wedding, they've made $3,000 from this wedding. After they put aside the money for taxes, like what should they do with that? If they're wanting to save for a piece of equipment or just start saving in general for their own outside of their business, their own personal life. Sure. So I just even love the idea of anytime you get money, giving each dollar a job. And so you know your business best and you know what you need to invest in that is going to then have some sort of return on investment. And I do encourage everybody, I'm also self-employed, I encourage everybody to get really real about the types of investments, business investments that are going to have a significant return and what is more just veneer because even as business owners we can get really distracted by the pretty things right and you know I'm going to give you an example and I, I would say that this probably does not apply to you all working in a visual medium like photography but for me the most important thing is that I have students and I find the right students that trust me and want to learn from me. And so for me, I did not invest in a good website for like four years because the most important thing is the text on that website, is the intelligence in what I'm saying, and is finding the people that I want to be my customers and students. And that meant focusing on social media for me at least. And so that was not an investment that I made right away. And I did eventually and instead I focused on the things that I knew that I needed. And so get really real, first of all, about what you really truly need to invest in to build your business and brand. But you kind of already alluded to this. What we probably don't want to do is have all of our money being recycled back into the business. And here's yeah. a way that I think it's helpful to think about. And this is something that I see pretty much all new self-employed people do, entrepreneurs do, is our business is our baby, right? And it can be really enticing to want to give all of our money back to our baby. Think of what's like the most, what's the most powerful corporation in the world? Probably an Apple and Amazon. It's all just to say, would you invest all of your money in Apple? No, 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 you wouldn't. That's too risky. Right. Putting all your eggs in any basket, including your beautiful baby basket mm -hmm. is just too risky from a money management standpoint. And what I want is for you to use your income as a self-employed person to build wealth outside of your business. Yes, we want to reinvest in our own businesses, but we also want to diversify outside of our business. Mm -hmm. And so 
once we once we make the decision to you know even if it's with small dollar amounts right away how can we start to build wealth beyond our business because ideally we will have our wealth come from both sources, the business that we run, and that's going to be then paying us our income. But then also we will be building up our, our wealth beyond our businesses. Mm -hmm. And so investing in yourself and in your financial life is really what we're going to be doing next. Now, that does not necessarily mean that the very first thing that you're going to do is invest like in a traditional sense, like buy stocks. There might be some things we wanna do first and foremost. A couple of really good goals for pretty much everybody. I know that we're all special snowflakes, but you know, everybody's gotta pay their bills and everybody's gotta clip their toenails, right? Like we, we all kind of have similar starting places, right? When we're building out our financial lives and two really great first goals are to build a personal emergency fund mm -hmm. and to pay off credit cards. And so let's talk about both of these goals. So first, an emergency fund. An emergency fund is literally nothing more than just cash that you maybe keep in a savings account, which you may want to keep separate from your checking account. If for no other reason, then if money is sitting in my checking account, I'm going to spend it. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so we want to move it into a savings account just so I can't get my grubby little paws on it. Right. Yeah. And so there are really easy ways to do this. I personally use what is called a high yield savings account. And so I happen to use Marcus by Goldman Sachs, but there are tons of savings account options out there. And by the way, your banking options are going to be more the same than they are different. Mm. And so the most important thing is that you've got a savings account that's easy for you to use. That mm. is by far the most important thing. The next most important thing, in my opinion, is that you're not paying a bank any unnecessary fees to use that savings account because there are free or extremely cheap options that exist out there. Mm -hmm. And so the nice thing with something like a high yield savings account where you can start your first emergency fund, mm -hmm. your first pot of money that's just money saved for a rainy day is you can open up an account at like a Marcus or another popular one is Ally, you know, City has a good high yield savings account. And again, by good, I just mean a free account. Mm -hmm. There are no minimums. You don't have to maintain okay. a balance at the bottom, right? Because if you've ever banked with like a Chase, Wells Fargo or Bank of America, those are our big box banks, which is totally fine if that's where you bank, you know, for now, maybe you optimize in the future, but don't worry, don't overthink it. If you open up a savings account at, let's say, Wells Fargo, they're going to ask you to maintain a monthly minimum or else they're going to charge you like $10 or $12 a month, which when you're first getting started saving, that's kind of a lot of money yeah. and, and it's too onerous. And so moving your savings to a free bank that has no monthly minimums, like an ally or like a Marcus by Goldman Sachs, does then allow you to have 
as many different savings accounts as you want. You can keep $1 in this account. You can keep $100,000 in this account. It doesn't really matter. It's free and available for to you to use. And you can access the money quickly, which is really important because emergency money is for what? Emergencies. Right. So it's like separate than um, having something at Edward Jones that could be considered like it's an investment account, but to you, it's saving for a smaller goal. Emergency funds should be where you can log in yourself and withdraw the money. Absolutely. And, and really with our emergency money, we just want to keep it accessible and we probably yeah. want to keep it in cash, which I know yeah. people are feel, feeling a lot of feelings about holding cash right now because we are experiencing a bout of really high inflation. Inflation just means that everything around us is getting more expensive. And so it's not that our cash is just earning 0% sitting in a bank account. It's losing its purchasing power. It's losing value at a rate of five, eight, 10% right now because inflation is high. Normally inflation runs at about two, 3%. That's what we've experienced at least during our lifetimes historically. And so it is high right now. But that being said, the alternative is to invest money. And here's something to understand. That's like the, the first and most important thing about investing to understand is that anytime you invest, what you are essentially saying is I am going to take some sort of risk to try to generate some sort of return. Mm -hmm. Risk and reward are always two sides of the same coin. And so a really obvious example of something that's highly risky, but could potentially be highly profitable is an investment in any one cryptocurrency, right? Mm -hmm. We saw that money shoot up and right now we are in a, a very depressive period where values have absolutely tanked. And so you don't get to have the high highs without the low lows. And that goes for any type of investment. And so most commonly people would think about potentially like, should I buy an index fund that invests me in the stock market for my short-term goals? And I would say, uh, I mean, here's the thing. Yes, over the next year, the market could be up 20% and therefore your investment could be up 20%, but it could also be down 20%. Again, always two sides of the same coin. And so with our emergency money, we generally probably don't wanna take that risk. It's there for a reason. And the primary reason for us as self-employed people but same if you have traditional employment is what happens if you can't get work for three months? What happens if you can't get work for six months? That's money that we are going to have set aside to help us cover the bills during those the, during times of drought, essentially. Yeah. And I think it's especially important for us as, as entrepreneurs and freelancers because we have very irregular income, right? And so that's, that's where I would start with emergency money. And so the next question is always how much emergency money should I have? Right. Um, do you, I mean, do you have an opinion about how much emergency money people should have? I'm doing a lot of talking, so I'm going to throw it to you for a second. Maybe like six months if that's feasible, but maybe that's a goal that you save over time to hit. I think that's a great answer. Six months is about what I keep, but it takes a while to get there. Right. Even though it is like a, for a good first goal, that does not mean it is an easy goal. And that yeah. does not mean that it's a quick goal. 
It just happens to be something that we should be considering first. And so maybe your first goal is to save up $500. And then your next goal is to save up $1,000. And then your next goal is to save up three months worth of like stripped down expenses. Like not like you're not living luxuriously during these times, right? What is the cost of all of your bills and necessary spending for one month, right? So your rent, your food, your insurance, your utilities, Mm-hmm. what does that cost? Figure out what that number is and then aim for three months of that. And then we're going to move to six months. But maybe once you get a couple of months saved up, we can start to think about adding in other goals while we fully build out that six month mm-hmm. emergency fund. It, these goals never have to be all or nothing, right? You can work on multiple things at once. And so that's what I would do for with an emergency fund is get some emergency money, you know, stored up. It's just also so good for peace of mind to have some money aside that you know that you can rely on if you do have a bad month, which we all have bad months. I mean, sometimes I have months that are so good and sometimes I have months where I earn next to nothing. And this kind of feast or famine income style is something that we just have to be cognizant of as as freelancers and, and entrepreneurs. Right. That's really good advice that because it can seem very intimidating to, okay, I can, I'm, I'm trying to pay my current bills. And then also thinking about adding months of emergency expenses for those bills. How am I going to hit that? So I love, um, I, everything you're saying, high yield savings account, and then taking it bit by bit. It doesn't have to be all at once. Okay. I'm going to save up six months, do it at a, a couple months at a time and re- recognizing that this is a big goal to accomplish. Yeah, it can take years. And so never beat yourself up over the fact that you don't have it figured out right now. Small moves absolutely matter, right? Unless you're going to get some inheritance from some long lost aunt that you didn't know existed, like we can all cross our fingers. But for most of us, that's just simply not the reality. And so it's a journey of many, 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 many years. And so you can only do today what you can do today. And so don't, beat yourself up over what you haven't done in the past or wanting to get somewhere faster than you can be. You know, one of the things I always tell people, and this is me getting again, witchy woo woo, but try to avoid shaming yourself for not being where you want to be. Because in this context, shame is not a very helpful emotion, right? Shame never set a single soul free. And so just do what you can do today. And that's it right? That's, that's totally it. And it just has to be one small thing. And those small moves do compound over time. And so save up a little bit of emergency money and just do a little bit of soul searching yourself and make a determination of what you would like for that number to be. And it's going to be dependent on where you live. Do you have children? Do you have family? Do you have people that depend on you? You know, what's, what is the, you know, relative security of the work that you're doing right now, all of these things factor in and just figure out what makes sense for you. And so that's a really good first goal is getting that emergency money saved up, even if it's just a little bit, right? A little bit of sleep well at night money. Yeah. And so that's a really good first goal. 
This episode of the Build and Bloom podcast is brought to you by Contractista, my favorite resource for lawyer-drafted photography contracts. Head to jessicawhitaker.co slash photography contracts and use the code BUILDBLOOM15 at checkout for 15% off lawyer-drafted legal documents. Contractista is your one-stop shop for attorney-drafted legal documents for entrepreneurs. Actually, not only are they attorney-drafted by a business and intellectual property attorney, but they're also peer-reviewed by attorneys with over 30 years of experience in contract drafting for multinational corporations. <laughs> Anyways, Contractista actually has bundles specific for photographers that cover portrait photography contracts, wedding photography contracts, plus some legal disclosures that you have to put on your website. Just like you have to have car insurance to drive a car, you have to have attorney-drafted contracts for your clients and websites to run a business. Head to jessicawhitaker.co slash photography contract and protect yourself from that just in case. And you can use the code BUILDBLOOM15 at checkout for 15% off. That's jessicawhitaker.co slash photography contracts. Another really good first goal is if you are currently carrying a credit card balance, try to pay it down. Mm, yeah. And so... Again, if you have a credit card balance, you are like most Americans. And so it's okay, right? Sometimes we need to access credit in order to be able to live. That's yeah. just the reality. But in, in financial planning purposes, and, and even if we think beyond financial planning, even just think like conceptually, like what is the goal of financial planning? The goal is kind of to, to, to build wealth, right? To build financial security. That is ultimately the end goal. Mm -hmm. And if our goal is ultimately to build wealth, then what we don't want to do is have a liability on our balance sheet that is essentially bleeding us of our money by charging us a 16, 17, 18% rate of interest, mm -hmm. right? When we invest, we are earning a rate of interest. When we hold credit, when we hold debt, we are paying a rate of interest. Yeah. And there is nothing, I mean, aside, you know, aside from things like payday loans, which are quite predatory, you know, there's just about nothing out there that has as high of a rate of interest that we are paying as credit cards. And so, you know, even just to give you a comparison, because I often get this question of, should I pay off debt? Or should I invest? Yeah. Is the first step is to, you know, look at the debt that you currently have and look at the interest rate that you're paying. Would you and so at, oh sorry, would you look at your student loans and credit card? Or and also could you explain what is interest rate for those who I have a credit card, but I didn't I didn't realize I have interest on this. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's start with that question. So Visa and MasterCard are not gonna let you use their money for free, right? Mm -hmm. And so essentially when you use a credit card, you are paying for something with somebody else's money mm -hmm. and they want you to pay it back, but they also are going to charge you interest, right? Mm -hmm. Like imagine if I was like, all right, Jessica, you wanna borrow a thousand dollars from me? Sure, but when you pay me back, you're going to have to pay a 10% rate of interest. You're going to have to pay me back a thousand dollar, $1,100. And so that is essentially what the credit cards are doing. And really any loan, right? Even a home loan, a mortgage, they all have 
a rate of interest that you are paying to the bank. Basically, that is the entire banking model is the bank is letting you use their money and then they're going to want you to pay it back, but they're also going to want you to put a little bit of interest on top, a little something, something on top. And so, well, mortgage rates are a little bit higher right now, but even a year ago, you know, the best mortgage rate that you could get on a home was like three, three and a half percent, which is actually quite low. But even, I mean, you've probably looked at, you know, how much you have to pay an in interest on a 30 year loan, even with a like great rate of like a 3% mortgage. It's a lot of interest over time, yeah. especially at the beginning, you're paying more of your money to interest than you are to principal. That's just kind of the way yeah. that the math works without getting too much into the details. And then you consider something like a 17% rate of interest, which is what you are paying on your credit card balance over the course of a year. Now, the calculations get a little bit wonky because what they're actually doing is they're dividing it up into days. And so they're actually calculating how much you owe them every single day and adding it to your bill. But over the entire year, it may add up to about 16, 17, 18%, depending on the credit card that you have. It can go all the way up to 29.99%, the interest on a credit card. And ever, oh, sorry. No, please go ahead. Can you ever use a credit card without paying interest? Would that be when you pay off your credit card every month? Absolutely. So the... I mean, like, I hate to even like use the word proper, but like the proper or the best way to use a credit card is to pay it off in full every single month. That way you're never going to have to pay any of those interest charges. And so if you've got a credit card balance right now, it's okay, but a really good, again, we're talking about the first couple of goals that you can be working on to improve your own financial life getting those balances down. So you are not then bleeding out 16, 17, 18% per year, basically padding the pockets of Visa and MasterCard. Because yeah. let me tell you, there's only one way to make an eight, a guaranteed 18% return on your investment. And that is to be Visa. That is to be MasterCard, right? Yeah. There is really no way we can invest in a reliable way that is going to outpace what we are losing in interest on our credit cards. Yeah, and so, really good. yeah, and so like kind of doubling back to this initial question of, should I invest or should I pay off my debt? Mm -hmm. With credit cards, it's a no brainer. There's really no way you can invest your way out of credit card debt. There's no way you can make that move faster than you are losing out here. And so another really great first goal is, you are investing in yourself if you work to eliminate those credit card balances. And you know, the other thing that I'll say about credit cards is there are ways down the line that you can use credit cards to your advantage. For example, getting miles, right? Yeah. And that's great, but that is advanced. And the miles that you are getting are not going to make up for any interest that you are paying on that credit card debt. And so let's not kid ourselves, right? The best thing to do is pay off the full balance and at the point in which we feel like we can use credit cards in a way that's where we're paying it off every single month, then we can start to think about 
getting the most miles or optimizing our credit cards. But for the most part, anybody that has credit card debt right now, the best thing that you could do is cut them up. <laughs> I mean, cut them up in the sense that like, try not to add to the balance and work on just reducing that balance. And you don't actually have to physically cut it up just because like, maybe you do need to keep one around in case of emergencies. If you don't have that emergency fund yet, let's be realistic about you know, the financial lives that most Americans are living. But if you are feeling like you are in a, some, if you're in a place of stability right now, then maybe you do physically cut up the card and don't add more to the balance. And your next goal is paying it off. That's really good, really good advice. So pay, focus on paying off your credit card before investing because you're paying astronomical amounts of interest compared to the interest that you would be making on a high yield saving account. I mean, on um, high yield saving account or just investing in general. Anything. There's like the, the amount of risk you would have to take in the world of investing to try to generate an average 18% rate of return. I mean, it just doesn't really exist without taking incredible risk. And what is risk? Risk means you have the potential to lose that money as well. Right. And so, so credit cards are kind of a no brainer, but to go back to your question before about like, are we talking about student loans? What about other types of debt? And this is where it gets a little bit more gray credit mm -hmm. cards. The rate of interest is so high, right? Like let's, let's improve our financial lives by getting that off the balance sheet. But with other types of debt, whether it's a mortgage or student loans, you may have, you may be paying a rate of interest that is actually a little bit closer to what you could potentially earn investing. Okay. And so, for example, I would say that, you know, an investment in the stock market, like a broad investment in the stock market, which historically has returned about 10% per year. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, what can we expect? It's probably best, yay, millennials and Gen Zs, it's probably best to downgrade our expectations. You know, we can't know what's going to happen moving forward. Maybe it's six, seven, eight percent and the market's moving forward. But that's maybe like a good estimate. That's a good starting place. Mm -hmm. And so let's say you think that the stock market is going to grow by 7% per year moving forward. That's what you could potentially earn. And then let's say you have a private student loan where you are currently paying a 7% rate of interest on that loan. Should you focus on going ham, just going so hard on that student loan, maybe paying it off on an expedited basis, or should you instead use that money to invest? And so there's not one right answer to this for a couple of reasons. Number one, we don't know what's going to happen over the next 10 years in investment markets. If I could say with any sort of certainty, like, oh, yes, the market is going to be up exactly 8% per year moving forward, then we could make a better judgment call. But we don't know what's going, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen in the next five years. We don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 years. And we can get into that when we talk about investing, but just trust me when I say that we cannot know. Mm -hmm. And so we can't really know. We can only look at historical averages, right? And so we can't know exactly which is better. And so then what we want to do, since we can't know exactly which is better, let's tap into how you feel about it. So mm -hmm. consider like two different people, right? Let's consider somebody that is like, you know what? 
I make my monthly payments on these student loans that I have to be making payments on, right? Mm -hmm. You might have loans where you don't have to make payments right now. That's fine. But let's say you've got any debt where you know what you're like, it just feels like a bill. It's another bill. It's manageable. It feels like my utilities bill. It feels like my Netflix bill. It is manageable. And I don't want this debt to stop me from beginning the process of building my own wealth. And so for this person, yeah, keep making those regular payments. But maybe what we do is, is focus on the investing next and building your wealth. That is great. You're working on something great, but consider somebody else, consider a different person. Maybe this person is like, you know what? This debt is emotionally stressful to me. Mm -hmm. It is spiritually stressing me out. And so maybe for this person, the right thing to do is really actually to focus on paying it down again, aggressively, more aggressively than you need to, as you know, your payments dictate in order to lower that balance, put more money towards the principal of the loan and just get it into a more manageable place before you begin investing. That is also totally great and fine. Again, we just want to be working on something. That's all. So it's kind of, um, there's really no right answer. It's kind of seeing what feels most aligned to you and what your goals are. And when it comes to student loans, um, is, are there ways that people can look up how much they're paying on the interest or how much their interest rate is? Yeah. Who, no matter who your student loan provider is, you know, log into the website, all of the information should be there. If you get a monthly statement from them, a paper statement, all of that information should be there. And so a really great first step as well is actually listing out all of your different debt payments and including, okay, so who is the servicer? And by that, I just mean like, who are you answering to? If it's a, yeah. yeah. And so like, who are you answering to? Is it Visa? Is it Naviant, who is a student loan provider? Is it somebody totally different? What bank do you owe this money to? List out your monthly payment if you have a monthly payment. Mm -hmm. Credit cards are a little bit different, right? Because you have a minimum monthly payment. It's what we call revolving debt, where that can change as you add to the balance or chip away at the balance. Installment debt is when you have a set monthly payment each month, like a student loan or a mortgage. And so if there is a monthly payment or an estimated minimum monthly payment on a credit card, write that in one column, right? In another column, write the interest rate. In another column, write the total balance of this debt. And I actually do have a spreadsheet that I can share. I, in the Facebook group, I'll share this spreadsheet, which you can use to then list out your debts, because then you can just kind of get a picture of like, what is it that do I, that I owe? Yeah. And if our goal is to reduce some of this debt, which is the one that I should work on next, which a credit card would be an obvious answer, but maybe you don't have a credit card, but you have other sources of debt that you want to look to pay down. And so maybe what you do is you pick the debt that has the highest interest rate and you start to chip away at that next. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I think so many of us avoid looking at the numbers because it causes so much stress and it's emotional. But if you can have them laid out and if you can take the time to do it over a weekend, um, you're going to be able to feel so much more confident also, though, in pricing yourself and your your services because you see how much money is coming out of your bank account. So how much money is actually coming into it and how much profit are you making from 
your packages, it all works together and it can really give you that logical backing that you need if you've been on the fence about raising your prices or adding different services in because you can not only see your bills every month, like your grocery bills, but also all of these other loans that you have. Um, that's amazing advice. Well, thank you. And I'm actually curious to know, so I am a big fan of writing things things out by hand. Like I already spend enough time on the computer. I spend enough time in spreadsheets. I like to journal. And so I journal my spending and mm -hmm. I actually like to physically write out things like, you know, my investment goals, or if you've got debt payoff goals, I like to have it on paper and it just kind of helps. It, it makes it real. Yes. But it also in a way, yes, there is the initial, um, overcoming of, of just like facing it head on, but it does make it feel more manageable, right? It, you will actually probably feel some sort of sense of relief in just having addressed it head on. Yeah. And, you know, one other thing that you can do is, and this may sound silly, but I kind of think that this type of stuff is really helpful. And in fact, my friends that write a blog called Bitches Get Riches, they are the best and they, it, whereas I kind of tend to exist in the investing realm, which is a, you know, it's a couple steps forward in our, our money journeys. They really tackle all beginner topics mm -hmm. and definitely check out their blog if you haven't already. But one of the things that they offer in their Etsy shop is like coloring book pages, but it's for debt repayment or it's for sa a savings goal. And so for example, like every hundred dollars extra you pay off to your credit card debt or towards your emotionally stressful debt, you get to color in a brick or a block or whatever it is. And it just helps you acknowledge the progress that you are making and it's inspirational to keep going. And so don't like hesitate to, to, to celebrate any small win as you're progressing on this journey. Oh, that's so good. And I love pairing something that's the physical coloring with then also writing it out. That's really powerful. So what would you say is the next, um, the next step in this money management journey? Sorry, my hair gets so, when I'm, when I get to talk and I get so heated. <laughs> it's really hot under here. I think it's got to go for this summer. Um, once you feel like you are in, you know, a nicely stable spot, the mm. next thing that we actually want to consider doing is investing for retirement. Now, Ooh. I know now at this point, you might be thinking, I don't know, lady, <laughs> retirement is really far away if it's even gonna happen. I have a lot of financial goals that are in the near-term future that I would like to prioritize. You know, maybe you're saving up for a wedding, maybe you're saving up for a down payment. And what I am not saying is that those goals are not worthy. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that retirement, which is essentially what? Financial freedom, the financial freedom to be able to walk away from work, mm -hmm. which we are all going to need to do eventually. Even if you think you wanna work forever, I've got news for you, you can't and you won't. And what we are essentially trying to do is invest in such a way that we have a pot of money that we can pull off of that is not going to be income from work. It's not going to be a paycheck. Instead of exchanging our time for money, we want to have figured out a way to have our money make us money. 
And Mm -hmm. so that's really all investing is. That's it, is how do we figure out a way to have our money make us money? That's Mm -hmm. all. And so anyways, retirement or what is it? Living for 20 or 30 years with no income. Like imagine how many resources it takes to be alive for one year, right? And then imagine how many resources it takes to be alive for 20 years. Retirement is probably going to be the single biggest expense in our lifetime. The single biggest goal, financial goal in our lifetime. And so that's why when we are talking about the financial order of operations, you often hear retirement come next, right? Emergency money, credit cards, take care of ourselves right now, right here and right now. That's the first most important thing. But then kind of counterintuitively, what we do is we then start to work on the next most vulnerable version of the person that we are. And that's us when we're 90. That's mm-hmm. us when we're a hundred. We need, we have a future obligation, or sorry, we have a moral obligation to take care of ourselves right now, first and foremost, but we yeah. also have a moral obligation to take care of this very vulnerable version of ourselves, right? And so because it's this big job, we actually flip from taking care of ourselves right now to actually then starting at the end of our life. Mm-hmm. And via investing, what we're trying to do is essentially pulling in that financial freedom date. Because if you can't afford to retire when you're 90, then you can't afford to retire when you're 60. And so we're actually trying to pull it in and financial freedom or retirement, it's not an age, right? The idea that age 65 is when you get to retire is really a relic of some of our parents' generations, some of our grandparents' generations, when they would have employers that would save and invest on your behalf. It was called a pension. Most Mm -hmm. of us are not going to have a pension. And so for us, being able to walk away from work is not an age, it's an amount of money invested. Yeah. And so this is why it is often recommended that you try to bake a little bit of retirement saving and investing into every year that you are able during your working career, because it really is this big job. This episode of the Build a Blue podcast is brought to you by a tool that's cut my photography workflow in half without cutting into half my software budget. Like most photographers, I use the blog feature on my website to upload galleries. Narrative is a software that you download onto your computer that cuts down the time it takes to build out blog posts from one hour to 10 minutes. Narrative works on almost all website platforms, Squarespace, Wix, Weebly, WordPress, the list goes on. There are so many bonus features to Narrative, including a Lightroom plugin, SEO integration, adding text in the blog post, cropping within the program, which means no more back and forth with Lightroom. Oh, and it also uploads all your images as individual files. So it's not one big collage, meaning that it's Pinterest friendly. I know what you're thinking. This seems like a miracle, but how much does it cost? With Narrative, there are three package options starting at just $6 a month. And heads up, right now the program is only available for iOS, meaning Mac users. Go to jessicawhitaker.co slash blog tool. You can also check out the description of this podcast episode, the show notes down below. I'll link it as well. That's jessicawhitaker.co slash blog tool. Are there resources that you offer that kind of teach a little bit more about all the different types of investing for retirement? Are they on your website? 
Yeah. And so this is okay. So now we're kind of getting into my realm. This is truly my area of expertise is teaching people how to get started investing. And so I've got workshops, I've got a full course, which my full course is on sale right now. Um, if you go find me on Instagram or anywhere, you can get the discounted price on my course and I'm not here to pr promote that necessarily, but it is an option that exists yeah, out there in the world. If that's something that you're interested in and absolutely, that's like, I've got all the resources. So come find me, come find me. And I will give you the resource that you need specifically. Um, I actually, I'm, I feel like I'm talking so much, but like, you're no, you're, we're here to listen. This is, <laughs> this is your, this is your like, like realm of expertise. We're all ears. Um, everything you say is, I mean, you guys in the chats, I'll be able to look at the chats later because it's too distracting for me during the calls, but you're able to explain everything in such a clear way. These, these, all these different topics and terms we've heard about interest rates before, but so many people don't actually know what the heck that means. Why? Like you'll be looking at your credit card. Why is there a hundred dollar random charge? What is that for? It's because they're like, we're, we're kind of like purposely not educated on these things in America. And when we are, when we approach the subjects, it's usually taught in such like an over complex way. And so, especially for those who are like, okay, this, I love how Amanda's teaching, but also I, I really want to know more so I can empower myself presently. And then in the future, then the courses are your best route to go, um, especially just how you teach them there's how you teach them is so funny like all of the memes that you incorporate it's really easy for us to remember because of the humor aspect in it um so it's a really good like learning technique but uh okay as you were saying so thank you and and actually to build on that i think that people get really intimidated by finance because they think that it's numbers or math, but in reality, what you're doing is you're learning a little mini language and it just takes a little bit of repetition before these things actually sink in, right? Like you would never beat yourself up if you took one workshop, but didn't learn French from yeah. the workshop. And it's the same with this new language, right? Like what conceptually is a 401k? What conceptually is an index fund? And it just takes a little bit of getting used to. And so I really view myself as a translator, right? I am trying to translate this language into something that people actually understand yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you're also so right in that much of the financial services industry wants people to stay uneducated because that's how they make their money. And it doesn't, it's not right. just in, you know, credit card companies, but in the world of investing, the less, you know, the more likely you are to be sold up a river on some crummy product that doesn't benefit you. It benefits the person that sold it to you. Yeah. And so without this sort of financial literacy education, we are really, really vulnerable to manipulation. And so I really do believe that it's intimidating, but you know, if you spend even just like 10 hours or 20 hours this year, not a week, this year, learning some of this stuff, it will set you up to be so much more successful over the long term and also protect you against an industry that is still pretty freaking scammy, if I'm being honest. There are so many ticky tacky ways that these banks or these, you know, investment providers are going to be charging you fees. And at the very least, what we want to know is what exactly we are paying for. Yeah. 
And so, sorry, that was a whole another diatribe. Sometimes I can feel myself spinning into a different direction. I'm like, come back. Also good. Oh my goodness. <laughs> come back, girlfriend. And so um, the other thing that I wanted to say really quickly is about the retirement thing is I think that oftentimes we kind of get confused or we conflate the ideas of retirement and investing because retirement is often the first goal we are investing for. And so, yes, they kind of blend in a way, but they're two different concepts. Retirement is just walking away from work and having enough money invested to be able to walk away from work. Investing is the process of buying what we call assets or things that we think will grow in value over time. That's really all that it is. And what we are trying to do is invest enough that we can then have some semblance of financial freedom at some point in the future. And so because for most people, the place that we are going to start in our investing journeys is with these kind of longer term financial goals. That's why these two ideas kind of get mixed up sometimes. And so I just wanted to kind of clear that up. But really like investing is just, again, the process of buying investments. That's really, really it. And it can get so complicated and convoluted for a couple of reasons. But I think people get pretty hung up on the fact that it is a multi-step process. Mm -hmm. Obviously the first step is education, right? But when we're actually going to do the thing, it's really a three-step process. First, you're going to open some sort of account that holds investments. Then you are going to fund that account with cash. And then you are going to use that cash to purchase investments. So for example, many of us will want to start our investing journeys within a retirement account. A retirement account is an account such as a Roth IRA or a, for my self-employed people, self-employed people are really gonna choose between these three. Roth IRA, great starter account. That's, That's for most people, so long as you don't earn too much, should open up a Roth IRA. But once you really grow, you can look to add either a solo 401k or a SEP IRA. So for example, I have a Roth IRA that I contribute to and a solo 401k. Solo 401k is a little bit more complicated to open. A SEP IRA is a little easier. So you could do a Roth IRA and a SEP IRA. What is the point of these things? They, well, let me say this. They are not investments. A Roth IRA is not an investment. A 401k is not an investment. A Roth IRA is a fancy bank account that holds investments. And so your Roth IRA is not going to be what generates a rate of return. One of the most common mistakes I see made is folks will open up a Roth IRA. They're doing the right thing. They put money in it. And then they just let it sit there in cash because they think that the Roth IRA is going to be what generates a rate of return, but it's not, it's just a fancy bank account. And the reason that, I mean, if you're ever like Roth IRA, 401k, WTF, like this alphabet soup of different account types, like what is the point of all this? Well, the point is, or what I should say is who done this to us, the IRS, the IRS done this to us, the entire point of any retirement account is you are getting a tax benefit when you invest within it. And so that's why it's so complicated is because 
the IRS did this to us. And so essentially what you are doing when you're opening up a retirement account is you are saying, hey, if I commit to investing within this account for the long term, I will get this tax incentive. But the flip side of that is the IRS gets to write the rules for use. And so that's why it's always so complicated. What can I use? What do I qualify for? How much money can I put in in any any given year? When can I take the money out, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's two sides of that. And so, yes, we want to use a retirement account to invest for retirement. Don't use it for any other purpose because the tax benefit, which I won't get into the weeds, If you want to know the exact tax benefit, come find me. But it really is a benefit that only really kicks in as you're investing for a long, long time period. And so if you're not using a retirement account for retirement, you're completely missing the point. And so only use a retirement account to invest for retirement. But sorry, I kind of deviated from the point. So you open up a Roth IRA. You deposit money into that account. The Roth IRA, it's just the garage, Mm -hmm. right? It is just the place where you store your shit. It is just the place where you park your car. Your car is ultimately the investments. Mm. Your car is going to be what ultimately drives your returns over time. See what I did there? And so an even actually better analogy that I prefer. Okay, Jessica, I don't know you that well, but I feel like you're the type of person that has a caboodles. Do you have a caboodles? Caboodles, what's that? Okay, maybe you're too young. Okay, so um, where are all my where are all my millennials at? So a kibbutz is like this like hot pink and teal like little like oh, warehouse where you store your treasures. I've heard of those on TikTok. That's so cute. I'm sure you can buy one at Urban Outfitters now. But for my generation, we grew up like every like. Every young girl and probably young gay boy wanted one of these things so bad. They were like so cool. They had like two different levels. They're like little double decker storage units, right? So cute. And, but that's all it really was, right? It was just a place to store your treasures. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's your Roth IRA. It's just the caboodles. It's just the storage unit. Mm-hmm. But then whatever you keep inside. So, you know, again, for my generation, that would have been our Lisa Frank stickers and our lip smackers, lip balm, and our miniature novelty eraser collection, our tie-dye scrunchies. Those are what we store inside of the caboodles. Those are our investments. So mm-hmm. that would be like stocks, bonds, and funds. And those are going to be the tools that actually generate the rate of return. Those are your investments. And so we all get so hung up on which caboodles we should buy, which caboodles we should use. Mm-hmm. Roth IRA, 401k, should I do a non-retirement account? Should I just do a regular brokerage account? It's just the storage unit. Yes, there might be something that is most tax optimized for you. But when we get hung up in this decision, we don't move to the more important part, which is actually investing the money inside of the account. Yeah. And, and so again, that's the third step in the process is actually buying those investments. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. Oh, that's so amazing. I mean, you guys, like I, again, I can't look in the chat, but I just, I, I love how, again, we, so many creatives, especially if maybe you've 
been self-employed or freelance, you haven't worked in a, an environment where they're providing you with a 401k, we're not equipped with these different retirement funds or because we're just not educated on it. And so the whole idea of retirement, we push even further to the back of our mind than the average American because we don't even know where to begin with it. Um, oh, this is so, so good. And I don't want to take up any more of your time than Anita, but what would be, what would you say is the next step? Would it be to just find you on Instagram and to connect with you there through the free tools? Or, I mean, I would, I would really love Amanda, if you would talk more about your courses that you offer, because that is really like where the, that is where the meat of the content is. Right. And so for those who are in this, who are in the creative realm on face on the build and blue Facebook group or on YouTube, those are the resources that we really do need to make that big progress. So I would love for you to share about your course. And you said that um, it's on sale right now too, which is perfect timing. Yeah. And so I'll say one last thing about investing is we haven't even really talked about the fun part, which is picking the investments to go inside and building in that way. And it can be really intimidating because it feels like the investing universe is limitless, right? Like I remember when I first started working in investment management and I came in, I was like, oh, my head hurts. I'm gonna have to learn so many things. And the people were, the people were like, oh no, there's actually only like two things. And everything then is built off of these two concepts, stocks and bonds. Mm-hmm. Funds are essentially either just big old baskets of stocks or baskets of bonds. That's kind of it. Mm-hmm. That's really it. And so all of us, every single one of us is absolutely capable of learning to understand the types of investments they should be considering and picking them on their own and doing it themselves. And like you said, it is so important for self-employed people to kind of build their own benefits, right? To create their own benefits. And it can feel really overwhelming, but I promise you that it is something that once you learn, you are capable of doing. There are actually really easy ways to invest that aren't just like dumbed down versions that I'm serving up to you because you're a beginner. They are actually like investing is kind of great because historically the most simple methods are actually also the most successful methods. And so with investing, it's kind of interesting in that there is a learning curve right? Like I always say, give me 10 hours. Like I need 10 hours to explain to you the universe of investing. Yeah. And that's really what my full course is. But once you understand it, you can set it up to be happening all automatically and you can move on with your beautiful life to whatever it is that you want to take care of. And so investing in this way is actually kind of brilliant. Yes. You got to do some upfront learning, but we can set you up with a strategy that is has high probabilities of success and is super easy. And you don't have to worry about it every day or month or really even like all that often at all, so long as you're doing the work, right? And so it's very different than budgeting, which budgeting to me is like actually much harder on a week to week basis than investing because it just requires that you stick with it constantly. Whereas with investing, you just get it all set up and then again, move on with your cute life. And so, um, so yes, so my full invested development course is definitely my best and most complete offering for learning to invest. Again, if you can give me 10 hours, I can get you over the hump 
where you feel genuinely confident in your ability to do this. And it means getting you as a self-employed person completely set up with a strategy that is going to be working for you that you, again, are not going to have to be worrying about every single day. And so that's called invested development. It's regularly $249, but right now I'm running my biggest sale of the year. It's $70 off. So it's $179. And I know that, I mean, I know that an investment in a course can feel like really hard. Um, and so please feel free to reach out to me with any questions that you have about the course, but I genuinely do believe that the investment, the monetary investment, and then also the time investment will probably be the best investments that you ever make in your life. If your goal is to, you know, build towards financial freedom. Yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's so important. Um, especially as to be able to be able to take the money that you're making in your business, put it into your personal life, but not just having it sit in a bank account where it's not, it's not growing in any way, but instead being able to put it into these different investment accounts for long-term goals or even short-term goals, like wanting to go on a vacation in two years for a month, you know, you can put that into an investment account and Amanda is going to teach you the process of doing that. And I'm so, I mean, thank you so much. I'm so happy that you were able to be here today and just to pour into the community and for all of her social media links and Amanda's website, it's in the description of this Facebook just a live stream description. And then also on YouTube, just click show more on the description box below. Thank you so much, Amanda. And again, where can everyone find you, even though it's in the description box? Uh, so I'm at dumpster.doggy on all the socials. I know crazy name. It, it was a nickname from a long time ago. And if I thought it was still with me. And now it's it verified still- too. It's the thing that I love the most. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's really great. And it's really fun. So again, Instagram is where I do the most, but like, I'm obviously trying to be on TikTok as well. So find me on TikTok, find me on YouTube. And in addition to my course, I do every now and then have like a one night workshop, which is just more like an introduction. And so if you're not feeling like ready for the full course, don't worry in the next couple of months, I'll do some sort of like introductory workshop where you can just start to get your feet wet. And so that's also an option as well. Although the course is definitely designed for beginners as well. It's, it's designed for anybody at any point in their journey. And so it's all building blocks. It's 15 video lessons and they're super fun in my opinion. And then the course also does come with office hours. And I think it's the most underutilized aspect of the course in that as you're learning, you're probably going to have questions about how to apply that knowledge to your own personal situation. And so every single month I just post up in a zoom room and answer everybody's questions. And at this point, it's really the only way to ask me questions is to be a course student and to then show up at office hours. And so definitely something to consider as well. Um, if you want a little bit more kind of one-on-one option, I am there to answer all of your personal questions. What an amazing conversation. Be sure to check out Amanda on her socials and her education platform, Invested Development. Like always, everything will be linked in the show notes. I believe in you and I believe in your business. Thanks for listening to the Build and Bloom podcast. Thanks for listening to the Build and Bloom podcast. If you love the show, leave us a review on iTunes to keep it running. This also helps other photographers to find this free resource. Looking for more? 
Join over 60,000 photographers in the Build and Bloom Facebook group. Just search for Build and Bloom in Facebook groups to join in the encouraging and empowering community. You can also find Jessica's tutorials and tools on YouTube and Instagram at Jessica Whitaker and show notes and further resources on her website, jessicawhitaker.co. Thanks for spending time here. Catch you in the next episode.